shut up, you listen to my monkey mouth. As a companion, when you got pun on the canoe route, popped in a portal and got in a fight. Elias knocked him out. Bow, Marco fighting style. Bow, you will see he tapped out. Bow, we win, we get crowned. Monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth. Alrighty, Armchair Army, welcome back to another edition of Armchair Mixed Martial Arts. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing UFC 281. It was a hell of a fight card. Before we get to it, though, I do want to go over the fight cards uh, just really briefly. Uh, that happened between UFC 280 and 281. So, the first set of fights that happened between then and now was the UFC Fight Night. Cater versus Allen, and this was a really, really unfortunate way for the main event to go. Uh, this one, Arnold Allen got the uh, second round TKO finish, but let's be honest, it was super suspect, right? Calvin Cater, uh, on not even his lead leg, right? He ate a leg kick, kind of checked it, and as he stepped back, his back leg just gave out you could see his knee pop real bad so um he folded had to go to the ground got swarmed and that was that you know the the guy's leg was clearly compromised and uh, and that's how the fight goes sometimes you know um you don't want to take anything away from Ronald allen right he's on his way to a title shot and this isn't like the type of win that you want to get to like make your case for a title shot so, a little bit of a little bit of a speed bump on the way of uh, Arnold Allen's hype train, but I'm a big, big believer in Arnold Allen. Um, he's looked nothing but fantastic every time that I've seen him fight so far. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really, really high on Arnold Allen. Bet bet on him when he fights. Uh, although now. <laughs> he's going for like championship fights and literally only fighting against guys at the tip of the spear so it might be a little harder to gamble on him but if you'd been gambling on him on the way up man there was good money to be made uh tim means lost a, a three-round decision to max griffin in a well-fought fight Waldo Cortez Costa won a decision over uh, Jared Vendera, which Jared Vendera has been kind of having a tough go of it recently. Uh, Treshawn T-Rex Gore got a hellacious submission over Josh Fremd. Uh, that was a really violent <laughs> looking thing. Josh Fremd did everything that he was supposed to to get out of that choke and uh T-Rex damn near took his head off anyways. Khalil Roundtree won a three-round decision over Dustin Jacoby. This one seemed a little suspect. Somebody in the comments of one of my little shorts that I made uh, said they thought it was clearly uh, you know, two rounds to one in order in, in the way of Dustin Jacoby, but I don't know. Uh, ultimately, I'm not the judge on that one, and I didn't have a huge, huge opinion on it. Moving forward, there was uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. And Amanda Lemos got a third round TKO uh, finish, standing finish, uh, a minute into the third round. Just absolutely swarmed Marina after hitting her with a big left hook. 
uh, backed her up to the cage, was just bombing all over her. Marina uh, definitely disputed the stoppage, but I watched it live. I didn't feel too bad about it then. I also uh, rewatched the highlight of it um, before I recorded now, and I, and I felt like it was an appropriate stoppage then too. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe uh, she's just not going to be a fan of the podcast. Either way, I got to speak the truth, Marina. This is what it is. Sorry. Uh, you know, li- like and follow, subscribe. Anyways, Neil Magny, uh, at three minutes and 33 seconds into the third round, locked up a Darce choke on Daniel Rodriguez and uh, officially surpassed GSP for wins at welterweight. And, you know, that's as far as I want to go back on that one. Hell, we don't need to talk about uh, the the fights between there and then too too much uh but wow the ufc 281 was just an absolutely stacked card from top to bottom uh, i watched every single fight uh, matt steamroller frivola fighting in front of the home crowd got it super done tko halfway through the first round uh, Carolina Kolkiewicz got a, a decision win. You know, early prelim fights. Preliminary card. Uh, Renato Moicano looked great. Uh, submitted Brad Riddell. Uh, like a little over three minutes into the first round. Uh, and it was nice to see Renato looking good in there. Because I believe the last time I saw him fight, he was getting his face turned into hamburger meat by uh, RDA. It was a really, really tough night at the office for Renato that night. And so uh, I'm glad that I'm putting some fresh memories of him looking good between there and then in my mind. Uh, Also, in uh, not the best news uh, in terms of just pure wanting to watch fights, Brad Burdell uh, is stepping away from the sport. Um, to see if the fire fort will come back. Uh, that sucks. You know, this was a fight in front of his home crowd. And, uh, you know, he's saying that the spark just isn't there no more. He's been fighting for forever. So, you know, I hope that it's what's right for him. At the end of the day, uh, these guys are human beings before they're fighters. And I hope that he absolutely uh, is making the decision that's right for him and that he's happy with his decisions. Uh, you know, selfishly, I'd love to see him keep fighting. Uh, but, you know, the 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 god honest human in me is just hopeful that he's making the right decision for him and that he's happy with it and no matter what i'm going to try and be supportive uh but the the big the big bit of news on the prelims was ryan superman span training out of texas which i picked dominic reyes in this one and that was clearly a mistake. Um, I thought that this was going to be Dominic's bounce back fight. And it turns out it's actually Ryan's coming out party. And so I'm just super pumped for Ryan. Um, I can't believe that I picked against a fighter from Texas. I'm such an idiot. The one time I pick against a fighter from Texas, right? But either way, super pumped for him. Uh, things are getting really dicey for Dominic Reyes at this point. Uh, that's a, that's a, a tough skid 
real tough skid that he's on right now. Uh, we're going to see what comes next for him. I'm certain it's going to be somebody uh, limping into the top 15 to see how he does. Uh, but next for Ryan Spann, man, put the fucking jetpacks on. Put the rock, engage rocket thrusters. Let's fucking go. Let's see him against some of the very, you know, like the guys beyond Dominic Reyes, right? Dominic Reyes is a top talent. And so uh, anybody beyond Dominic Reyes is going to be uh, a really, really interesting matchup for Ryan Spann. Uh, and I can't wait to see him, to be just really honest, man. Ryan Spann's a, a big, strong, athletic, uh, exciting Texan who I love to watch fight. And so uh, yeah, whatever comes of it next for him, it's going to be a fun fight. And I'm most certainly going to be able to consider myself the winner that night. On to the main card. Man, this shit was stacked, bro. Dan Hooker, my man, finally got back in the win column. He'd been having a tough go of it, y'all, for real. Uh, Dan's one of those guys who, like I said in the last podcast, they don't do many favors for him. Just to be real, real honest, he uh, he he takes the fights that they want to, that they give him. And it's always him against dudes who are on absolute hot streaks, who are coming up to conquer the world. And it's just been bad timing. The stars have not been aligning for Dan. And frankly, Quadio Puez was on the come up. You know, he's jujitsu ace and uh, several wins in a row. And, you know, this was going to be potentially his coming out party. Um, you know, again, it's like people keep having their coming out parties against Dan Hooker and it's a tragedy because Dan Hooker is such a nice guy, such a great fighter and athlete. Um, but today was Dan Hooker's day, which I say today, today's Wednesday, the Wednesday following. It's not today. Uh, Saturday was Dan Hooker's day though, man. He, he got the job done, uh, in the second round, uh, about a minute left in the, in the second round. So nine minutes into the fight. Uh, just got to where Claudio could not get Dan to the ground, right? Claudio got Dan to the ground in the first round with one of his flop on the ground, grab the foot, rolling heel hook things that uh, jiu-jitsu guys do. And uh, I feel like he pretty effectively won that round with the control time and the submission attempts. But Dan clearly won all the striking exchanges whenever they were having striking exchanges. But still, round went to Claudio in my mind. But in the second round, Claudio was clearly a little bit uh, tired, right? His gas tank had been taxed a little bit due to all the grappling. And uh, Dan was wise to his primary takedown tactic. uh, And Claudio never really even got close to taking down Dan again and the takedown attempts just got more desperate and more taxing on the gas tank and it just got to where he was very very exhausted and Dan was still bouncing around ready to go and he started busting that ass especially in the second half of the second round and he kept hitting Claudio with these teep kicks up the middle to the to the diaphragm and uh, finally hit him with one and it folded him up and the ref saw the look in Claudio's eye and knew it was a wrap, called the fight, winner by TKO Dan Hooker. Uh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next for him. Hopefully it isn't such a goddamn miserable matchup. Um, you know, something that he can win, something that he can keep building his brand and keep moving in a positive direction and then maybe start 
throwing them way back into the deep end with the with the big sharks again. But uh, I'm certain that uh, you know Mick Maynard and them they know what they're doing. They they've they've got a clear idea of what they want to do. At bantamweight, oh man, Frankie Edgar. Sad day for MMA, right? Frankie the Answer Edgar has retired. And he went out the way you go out in this sport. Uh, You know, it wasn't literally face down, ass up, uh, because he got sent to the shadow realm and was staring up at the lights, flat on his back, stiff as a board. And those are just the facts, you know? It's what happened. I hate it. I hate it. I didn't want to see it. Like I said, whenever I made my video immediately following the fight, I had been really sincerely hoping that Frankie would at least make it through the first round so that he would have eclipsed eight full hours of fight time inside the UFC octagon. I thought that was going to be a really neato uh, place for the record to end. Right? He's got the record. For most fight time in the octagon so i thought it'd be really cool for it to for it to you know be not seven hours 57 minutes or whatever i thought it'd be cool for it to be eight hours and a couple bits of change um but it is what it is man um frankie went out there and fought to the best of his ability but only two minutes into the first round and uh, chris gutierrez hit him with uh, I believe it was a knee. I can't remember, man. I know it was rough. Uh, it was it was one of those one of those shots where Frankie went to sleep hard, and uh, Chris Gutierrez was just a class act about everything. Uh, had all the respect in the world for Frankie Edgar. Uh, Joe wound up actually talking with Frankie after the fight, and you know, as Joe said, there are millions of people. All all over the world who have love for Frankie Edgar in their heart, myself included. Uh, he's been a, a, an, an intrinsic part of what's made MMA great to this point. Um, God, I hate using that type of verbiage, but, um, you know, he's, he's been instrumental in making it special. You know, he's had many a great fight, uh, and, you know, the MMA wouldn't be the same without him. And so... Frankie the answer. We've seen him for the last time in the UFC octagon as a as a fighter. Um, but the night is Chris Gutierrez's. Uh, he is now nineteen and three with a win over someone like Frankie Edgar in the type of fashion that he did it. He's only going to have big fights in front of him. He's only going to be moving up that chain at bantamweight. We all know Bantamweight's a shark tank. They got guys like Peter Yon, Aljamain Sterling up there at the top. So, you know, uh, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be, we're going to see where he lands in the division the longer he goes. But uh, I know he looks really impressive, and I'm really excited to see what they do with him next. And then uh, this one right here, this was fight of the night, potential fight of the year. I actually don't know if it was fight of the night. I didn't. I don't have that information in front of me. It's something I usually have. Oh, my high ass forgot to do that. That sucks. Again, like I keep telling you all every time, I'm not a not a fucking professional. <laughs> I keep fucking keep fucking this up. I don't have that information in front of me. 
Um, but either way, I know in my heart it was fight of the night. And I know in my heart it's a potential fight of the year contender. So we can speak from that perspective, right? And uh, it was Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, and it was just fucking fireworks, guys. It was everything that we all expected it to be. Uh, I mean, literally, like exactly how you'd expect it to go. Michael Chandler came out ferociously in the first round and hurt Dustin Poirier early on. But as the fight went on, Dustin Poirier slowly kind of took over. Uh, Even as early as the back half of the first round, it seemed as though Poirier was landing the higher volume of shots and to the greater effect. And uh, I actually wound up having Dustin Poirier winning the first round. And uh, as it turns out, that's also how every judge had it scored as well. So uh, it was a clear win in the first round for Dustin Poirier. But then uh, Michael Chandler came out in the second round and Russell fucked him the entire time. Had several minutes of control time and uh, threatened all kinds of chokes and won the round. Won the round. Flat ass out uh, on every card. On every card. Uh, and so it was clearly, you know, all judges had the first round going to Dustin. All judges had the second round going to Chandler. It was all coming down to the third round. In the third round, they came out met in the middle and just fought like sons of bitches man rock'em sock'em mixed martial artists is the bottom line it was wild and uh it just turned into uh, a situation where they went to the ground and dustin poirier took chandler's back and locked in a body triangle and man you know in the third round you're tired you got a black belt in dustin poirier on your back with a body triangle it was a bad way for it was a bad way for michael chandler and so dustin poirier wound up uh locking up a a rear naked choke but it wasn't even under uh chandler's chin he just wound up stretching him out and when he stretched him out he was able to slip it under the chin and that's whenever chandler had to tap so was an incredible fight uh i couldn't have asked for it to have been any better the second round uh was like letting the beat build right we knew how crazy it was in the first round the second round was grappling what was going to happen in the third round right and they came out and it went the way it did and it, i wouldn't you couldn't have scripted it better and in, in josh's humble opinion the next fight was Carla Esparza versus Zhang Wei Li, and Zhang Wei Li cut through Carla Esparza like a hot knife through butter. And, uh, you know, I picked Zhang Wei Li, uh, but only for petty ass reasons, dog, because I didn't like the way Carla Esparza went out there and performed against Rose Namajunas. But also, equally, I also equally didn't like the way Rose Namajunas went out there and performed against Carla Esparza, right? It's two-way street. takes two to tango. Um, so, yeah, it, I wasn't real high on Carla Esparza, and um, it was clear that Zhang Weili had the advantage in the striking department. When they were up on the, on the feet fighting... It looked like Carla Esparza was just a step behind, almost flustered. Didn't look like she knew quite what to do with the puzzle that Zhang Weili was presenting her in there in the octagon. Uh, 
And then in the in the grappling, you know, Carla is so experienced that even at the end of the first round, Carla at the end of the first round uh, had the advantageous position because she's so technically sound and so intelligent in the grappling department that she was able to outmaneuver Zhang Weili. Um, but Zhang was clearly the more explosive of the two. She was having a lot of, like, there was no holding her down, right? It just happened to be that that's whenever uh, the round, you know, I think that when she got there, she wasn't even able to hold Zhang down for an entire minute. Um, she wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't even a minute of control time, and, and Weili was able to get her off her. Right, but again, Carla was so technical that she was able to get there in the first place, which I found really impressive. Um, but again, Whaley, just too explosive an athlete, was able to force her way out of a bad spot. And then uh, the second round came around, and uh, yeah, Whaley just overwhelmed her uh, and wound up uh, choking her out. Yeah, choked her out. Um, and that's that, man. And so Whaley is now uh, a champion for a second time. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with her, man. Maybe uh, maybe they do another rubber match with Rose. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? It'll be interesting to see. I know I'm going to be keeping my eye on it. I doubt they do a rematch with Carla Esparza, though. And then on to the main event of the evening. I'm certain you guys can hear it in my voice. I'm not particularly pleased with how this one went. Um, I was pulling for Israel out of Sonya, right? He's our, he's like my guy with the anime shit that he's into. And um, there's just on several levels, man. I'm a big, big, big Israel out of Sonya fan. Um, but Alex Pereira came in and got it done. Uh, you know, every every judge had it three to one for Israel Adesanya. So it came down to Alex had to get the finish in the fifth round. And, uh, Alex went out there and dumped his gas tank out and got it done. It's the bottom line. Um, you could tell that he was throwing things with a little bit nastier intention in the fifth round. In the fifth round, you could also tell that he was throwing it with a little bit higher volume. You could just tell that Alex Pereira was going to throw everything that he had at Israel Adesanya in that fifth round. There was no uh, sixth round to have to hold on to any gas for. You could tell he was trying to gas himself out. He was going to go out on his shield. Or he was going to have nothing left. He wasn't going to... You could tell that Alex Pereira was not going to look back at that fight and think, damn, I left anything in that octagon. He, he, he was going to have, he was going to leave it all out there. You know, he was, he wasn't going to have anything left in the tank. And, uh, he wound up catching Izzy, man. He caught, he caught him dude with that big left fucking hook that he keeps catching everybody with. And it backed Izzy up. Uh, Izzy wound up getting up against the cage and getting caught again by another big left hook. And, he was bobbing and weaving and getting caught and the ref stepped in and stopped it. And Israel immediately protested the stoppage. But I mean, he wasn't even looking at Alex anymore. He was just looking down at the ground and kind of sluggishly, uh, 
bobbing and weaving. And I know, goddamn, a 300 pound guy says that the 185 pound middleweight champion is moving sluggishly, goddamn. But I gotta speak frankly on it, man. He looked, he looked fucked up. He looked real fucked up. You know, it's hard to it's hard to convince me that you're really intelligently defending yourself whenever you're moving at half or less of your current. You know, like he was he was at 50% speed tops at the way he was moving. And he was literally looking down at the ground, not even looking at Alex anymore, just like on autopilot, bobbing and weaving. And, uh, you know, I feel like if he'd gotten caught with one more big left hand, he was going to be having a conversation at the pearly gates. You know, he was going to be lights out, out. And so I wasn't upset with the stoppage. As I saw it, I wasn't upset with the stoppage. And even... um, you know, I love Izzy, man. He's my dude. I hope he fucking comes back and gets the win, and I think he can, right? Um, it's just one of those things where Alex Pereira's got that old-school bricklayer strength, right? Um, and he can end the fight at any moment. And uh, it's it's like it's like boxing with Deontay Wilder. You know what I'm saying? Um, he doesn't have to be perfect at all all he has to do is land one punch you have to be perfect throughout the entire duration of the fight and that's where it happened is izzy was perfect for 20 plus minutes of the fight and then that moment is all it took and that's the magic of alex Pereira. and so you know i don't know there was there was like an energy in the with this event you know i was real real high on izzy but then the further into the night we got the the weirder i felt about it and then izzy walked out and didn't do any cool walk out at all and then um didn't really put on any of the typical theatrics in the octagon during the inch during the uh the announcement from bruce buffer and it just felt very serious, right? It wasn't loose, flowing, fun Israel Adesanya that I've grown accustomed to seeing. It was almost tense, you know. Which, granted, you know, he looked loose in his movements, right? It looked like he was physically loose and able to do what he needed to do, but there was a tension that was being created with the way that he walked out without any without any theatrics and the way that he wasn't having fun in there in the octagon uh before the fight uh just i had a feeling i had a feeling and uh but what's wild is that by the fifth round i didn't have that feeling anymore you know by the by the end of the fight i was like oh man izzy's got it you know i i I really did think that izzy had it and that was a wrap um and yeah whenever (laughs) Alex did what he did. I was pretty goddamn shocked. Uh, but this clearly sets up the the rematch, right? Um, I mean, Izzy defended his belt five, six, five times. Five times he defended his belt, uh, which he wasn't able to beat Anderson Silva's record. Uh, so again, shout out to how good Anderson Silva was. But again, the times were different. 
you know, MMA wasn't quite where it was. The level of competition that Anderson was fighting against, by and large, wasn't where the level of competition that Israel was fighting, etc., etc. There's so many ways to talk in circles around the circumstance to see who's better, Israel or Anderson. And, you know, they already fought, but Israel was already, or Anderson was already over the hill, etc., etc. And also, he just got beat up by Jake Paul, um, which that's a whole other side everything. Um, but either way, we've got a rematch coming between these two and it's going to be fireworks, right? Uh, there's no way it doesn't do well on the PPV. Um, this card was, I mean, they stacked it up. It was, it was full of nothing but absolute bangers. I hadn't, I had a fantastic time. Uh, I mean, TKO submission, submission, TKO. TKO. I mean, damn, the entire main card was nothing but finishes, y'all. Three TKOs or knockouts and two submissions. So, you know, uh, big storylines, big finishes. Uh, you can't ask for anything better than that in a, in, a, in a fight card. Moving forward, we've got a fight night between Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak. <sighs> This is one of those circumstances where my brain tells me one and my heart tells me the other. I can't pick against Derek Lewis. It's like in my DNA. It's part of my principles. So I'm picking Derek Lewis. Bottom line. Sergey Spivak, I picked against that guy in his last fight against... Uh, a big Brazilian bastard. I can't remember his name. Um, but Sergey looked amazing. If Sergey comes out and looks the way that he looked in his last fight, uh, if he looks that way this fight, man, it's going to be a bad night at the office for Derek Lewis. But I also do believe that Derek Lewis is uh, too big and strong to hold down, right? You've got to be technically perfect, like a DC. Somebody like that to, who's big enough and strong enough and also technically able to circumvent his explosiveness because Derek Lewis just stand up with you on his back like it ain't nothing, right? So you have to be technically able to circumvent that ability and not many people are able to, um, especially at heavyweight because most people aren't having to use, most people aren't used to having to circumvent that. They're used to being big enough and strong enough to hold people down. And so, uh, I think, you know, in the grappling, Sergey is not going to be able to hold him down. And I think that Sergey is going to want to be in close on Derek Lewis. And that's a terrible place to be. And he's going to go night-night. End of story. Derek Lewis by knockout, my man. Then we've got a light heavyweight fight. Kennedy and uh, Juku and Ion Kutelava. Uh, you know... I'm not like insanely high on either of these guys and for different reasons. Kennedy uh, has all the physical tools in the world, but seems like he lacks a little bit of that killer instinct, right? Ion Kute Lava, kind of small for the division, kind of lacking some of the tools, but he's built like a brick shit house and is a fucking maniac, ready to bring the fire. So, you know... 
but Eon's also kind of chinning, right? So I got to pick Kennedy. Kennedy's the bigger, more athletic guy. I think he'll come out and fight smart. And as long as Eon doesn't land a bomb on him, it should be should be good to go for Kennedy. If Eon lands a bomb, he's got a, everyone's got a puncher's chance, especially someone like Ute Lava. Chase Sherman, Waldo Costa as a Corsa, Acosta. So Waldo Cortez Acosta, we saw him fight uh, here recently, and uh, he was a former pitcher from the Dominican Republic. He has a big right hand, um, but we haven't really seen too too much out of him. He's only eight and zero. Chase Sherman, sixteen and ten, salty record, but been around for a long time with twenty six professional fights. Um, I do feel like the last fight that we saw Waldo in was a was a dog fight. It gave him some good experience. Uh, let's keep the hype train going. Let's pick Waldo on this one. Muslim Sokolov, Andre Fialho. Gotta probably pick Muslim Sokolov on that one, to be honest. Jack Della Maddalena versus Danny Roberts. Probably gotta pick Jack Della Maddalena. Bobble Luba Level Spieben on that one. Then we got a, a fight night, Thompson versus Holland. Uh, everybody keeps saying it's like a favorable matchup. I don't understand. Why, like, in what world is a favorable matchup? Kevin Holland likes to stand in striker boys. He's got, you know, he's a pretty good grappler, but that is not like someone who comes up and takes people down and grapples, you know? Uh, and so you're going to tell me that it's a favorable matchup for Kevin Holland to try and get into basically a kickboxing fight with Steven Thompson? That's fucking crazy, dog. Stephen Thompson liable to light Kevin Holland the fuck up. Uh, Kevin Holland will have to figure out a way to close the distance, put him against the cage, get him to the ground, take advantage of his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Because um, otherwise, Stephen Thompson, it's like a case of y'all must have forgot. Um, because Stephen Thompson's a goddamn legend, especially whenever it comes to 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 striking on the feet. So, uh, yeah, dog, um, I probably got to pick Stephen Thompson on that one. As much as I love Kevin Holland, I hope I'm wrong. I, like, my heart tells me Kevin Holland. I want Kevin Holland to win. Bruh, you're going to try and tell me you're going to win a, a striking fight against Stephen Thompson? No way. If Kevin Holland's smart enough to come out and grapple and he can do that successfully, then it'll be Kevin Holland's night. But if he tries to stand there and uh, throw one-twos at Stephen Thompson, he's going to get a lesson in karate. Ryan Barbarina and Rafael Dos Anjos. I got to pick Ryan Barbarina on this one, man. The last couple times I've seen Ryan Barbarina fight, he's been looking exceptional. Uh, that being said, RDA's been, I mean, shit, we were talking earlier about Renato Moicano, how good he looked, and how the last time we saw him fight, he was getting his face uh, run through the wood chipper that is Rafael Dos Anjos. So it's one of those things, RDA's old, kind of getting over the hill a little bit. Uh, Ryan Barbarina is young and crazy on the come up was in like a fight of the year contender in his most recent outing so uh, I just think he's gonna put the pedal to the floor and it's gonna I think that they're gonna step out of the center and I think Ryan Barbarina is gonna be the one who it's gonna be a matter of who gets the other one backing up I think Ryan Barbarina is gonna be able to get RDA backing up and that's gonna be the story of the fight You got 
Mateus Nicolau versus Matthew Christopher Schnell. Probably got to take Matthias Nicolau on that one. How is how is Tai Tuivasa and Sergey Pavlovich so low on this card? And how is Derek Brunson and Jack Hermanson so long on this so low on this card? What the fuck is happening? UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Holland. You got Stephen Thompson, Kevin Holland, Ryan Barbarina, RDA, Matthias Nicolau, Matthew Christopher Schnell, Tai Tuivasa, Sergey Pavlovich, Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson, Eric Anders, and Kyle Dawkins. Son of a bitch, this is going to be a good card. Damn it, man. But Taitui Vasa was like literally fighting for a heavyweight championship, headlining a sh- headlining a fight in Paris, and you've got him as a the fourth card, the fourth fight down on the card, fighting below Mateus Nicolau. Am I tripping? Am I reading this right? What's happening right now? This can't be real. This. Yeah, they these dudes really got tied to Evasa fighting fighting like in the middle of the card on a fight night. Damn, hope he's getting his bag at least. He's getting he's fighting a dude like Sergey Pavlovich. That's a bad I mean, that's a that's like a bad man. Um Sergey Pavlovich though, I don't know if he packs the power to put Tai Tuivasa out, to be really honest. Um and I don't know if he has the chin to make it 15 full minutes against that crazy son of a bitch throwing them bombs at him. So I think Tai Tuivasa will get the knockout, to be really honest. But Sergey Pavlovich is no slump. Uh, Derek Brunson, Jack Hermanson. We're going to see how this fight goes. I feel like we know what we're going to get out of Derek Brunson, but I don't know what to expect out of Jack Hermanson. I feel as though the last couple times I've seen him fight, he's been like moving backwards, fighting as a counter-striking kickboxer. And that ain't the Jack Hermanson that I that I came to know. Jack Hermanson I know would put you in a phone booth, uh, put you in the clinch, and beat your ass. Uh, and I feel as though Derek Brunson's going to make him have to do that. Um, and I don't necessarily know who's going to win. Um, I feel like, depending on which version of Jack Hermanson shows up, it could be Jack's night. But I feel like I, Derek's more consist Derek's more consistent. Uh, so I'll probably pick Derek Bronson on that one. We're going to see uh, how that one goes. Well, puns pick is Derek Bronson. Puns picks. Let's probably start rolling with that. Puns picks. I like that. Eric Anders, Kyle Dawkins. Uh Eric Anders been kind of having a little bit of a tough go, man. Uh, he's super athletic, but seems like he's having a little bit of trouble finding ways to win in the octagon. And Kyle Dawkins, um is kind of the opposite. He seems like he isn't quite as physically gifted, but he finds a way to win. So, uh, I gotta probably pick Kyle Dawkins. Neat. What a, what a dank-ass card. Man. They're treating us. They're treating us in the month of December, dog. That's December 3rd. Let's go. And then, we've got UFC 282 coming up. Uh, which, you know, I'm not gonna go too far off into all these because we've got, we're gonna do an entire preview on this one. Um, we got Yuri Prakasna and Glover and their rematch, which, you know, shit, it was a crazy fight last time. I think, you know, generally speaking, 
anytime that the younger guy wins in a fight and then they go back and do the rematch, the younger guy comes back and wins in more emphatic fashion. And that's what I expect to happen this time. But I believe that Glover was winning that fight until Yuri wound up getting the finish in the fifth round last time. So it's fucking who knows. You got Jan Blakowicz versus Magomed Ankalaev. Um, man, I'd love for Jan to win that fight. Magomed's a hard fight. Probably going to get pretty boring. Uh, I guess, I don't know who's going to win that one. Probably going to pick Jan. Patty Blimblet, Patty Pimblet, Jordan, Jared Gordon. Man, Jared Gordon was slouch. That's a big, that's a big step up. It's like a similar type of matchup as to what they did to Molly Meatball here at 281, which by the way, Molly Meatball got her ass kicked. We got put in a crucifix and then got worked into a rear naked choke from a crucifix. It was wild. Ooh, Robbie Lawler, Santiago Ponzinibbio. That's for us. That's for us. That's because we've been good fans. Uh, and then you got Bryce Mitchell uh, versus uh, Tuporia. Uh, I mean, shit, 15-1, 12-0. I can't pick against Bryce Mitchell. Anybody who made Dana bend the knee to camo shorts is my guy for life. But, so at this point, we've talked about the fights that happened between uh, 280 and 281. We've covered 281. We've talked about the fights that are going to happen between 281 leading up to and including UFC 282. Now we can talk about some general bullshit that's happened around the world of mixed martial arts. Um, and the first thing on my list is actually something really tragic that I uh, was completely heartbroken to hear. And it's that Rumble Johnson is gone. Uh, he lost his battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is basically blood cancer. Uh, it makes it so that your white blood cells uh, start attacking your red blood cells and they can also get into your bone marrow and your spleen and uh, believe your liver, your kidneys. It can get all over the place. And I mean, cancer's in your blood, dog. Um, it's, it's, that's shit circulating everywhere. And so, 38, gone. Crazy how that shit can take somebody so strong. You know, that guy was strong and it took him you know and so just appreciate every breath you got because you ain't guaranteed it tomorrow i believe he was going in and getting a physical for a fight whenever they whenever they started to see the indicators for this stuff and actually got put on the trail so you know the guy was healthy in fighting shape and then all of a sudden he wasn't and now all of a sudden here we are so, uh, you know, man, there were a lot of like crazy fights with him in the octagon. Um, I can't believe that guy ever made 170. That shit is insane. Um, but rest in peace to him. And, uh, I hope that the people close to him that are uh, being affected by it the most are finding the comfort and support that they need in this, uh, in this trying time. And so, uh, you know, moment of silence for rumble. And on to more some some more positive news, uh, the Volko versus Islam Makachev fight has been set for the Perth card in February. You can buy tickets for that shit if I'm not mistaken at this point. So, uh, 
Man, that's going to be a good fight. Volkanovski is uh, definitely a tough son of a bitch to go up and try and fight somebody like uh, Islam Makachev, right? Uh, it's going to be a real, real test. Um, but no negative can come of it for him, right? The worst case scenario is he goes up there, he gets finished, he comes back down to his weight class and goes, uh, you know, they're bigger up there. I tried to challenge myself because they couldn't give me a challenge in my division anymore. Cool, whatever. Let me fight whoever just won this interim belt uh, so that I can get my belt back and make it reofficial. Which, on the subject of the interim belts at 145, uh, they're having Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett fight for it, which is a super interesting fight. You couldn't get, uh, I say you couldn't get more contradicting styles, but you could. Um, but they're, they're unique, interesting, contradicting styles, right? Where Yair's uh, free-flowing kicks, moving around a bunch, and Josh Emmett's just a fucking smasher. He wants to hit you in the face with a big right hand. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the finesse of Yair or the strength of Emmett winds up getting them the interim belt. I still, I, I can't even believe this is real as I'm reading it, even if it's in my notes and I've done my research on it. Jake Paul versus Andrew Tate. Let's go. I can't believe they're making that happen. I figured, like, because Andrew, Andrew Tate's, like, deplatformed on everything. That guy's, like, considered toxic waste by media industry professionals. And Jake Paul's like, fuck it, I'll fight you. Let's go. So, that's fun. Uh, you know, I think that Jake at this point has done a really good job of reading the room, right? Um, because his most recent fight was his toughest test, and no one watched you know what I'm saying? I think that everybody wants the circus. I think that Jake Paul needs to pander to the circus at this point because uh, 200k PPV buys for him to go out there and fight Anderson Silva. I don't know if that juice is worth. I don't know if that juice is worth the squeeze necessarily. So, you know, if you can go out there and fight uh, people who are less credentialed, who have more clout on their name, and make more money by beating up celebrities and shit, I'd go for it. Which Andrew Tate isn't just a celebrity. He's a legit world champion kickboxer you know from back in the day but it's not not Anderson Silva uh there were some altercations across the MMA world here recently I don't really care about this shit too too much but they did in fact happen uh there was an altercation between Nate Diaz and Dylan Dennis and some members of Dylan Dennis's entourage and Nate wound up slapping the shit out of one of them which was great uh Kevin Holland wound up getting into some type of an altercation with uh, someone who appeared to be part of Kumar Usman's entourage. As they were separating, Kevin Holland was accusing, he was saying that he was an actor. Um, so maybe the guy's an actor, I don't know. Uh, I tried to do a little bit of Googling on it, didn't really find much of anything on it. Uh, oh, fun callback. I mentioned uh, I made a comparison to Alex Pereira to. Uh, Deontay Wilder and speaking on the subject of Deontay Wilder they've now set a fight between Deontay Wilder and uh, uh, Anthony Ruiz to see who's going to fight uh, Tyson Fury uh, so that's interesting um, Ruiz has undergone a pretty incredible physical transformation uh, with his workout and stuff but it's crazy to me that he's he looks in better shape now, but that isn't the version of him that won the world championship, right? 
the one with the beer belly won the world championship. So it's like, is it really to his benefit as a boxer? We're going to see. Uh, and one fun thing I saw is that Cheeto Vera got a new tattoo on his head. Uh, it's like a panther. Uh, and I believe he also got uh, some type of fucking scorpion thing. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the last thing I got on my list. Uh, I feel like we've pretty much covered it all, right? Um, reviews of everything from 280 to 281 previews of everything from the fights following 281 up to and including 282 talked about some bullshit uh that's going on around the world of sport and uh you know the 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 humbling news uh about rumble johnson and uh, i believe with that we can call it a wrap everybody i appreciate y'all so much armchair army thank you for tuning in we'll catch you guys on the next one peace